The Celtic Exchange A fresh insight on Celtic Football Club Celtic made it 2-1 from 2 in this season's Scottish Premiership with a big result against Aberdeen at Petaudry at the weekend it was an important three points, even at this early stage in the campaign, but it's clear that there's still work to be done if we're to get up to speed for a Champions League campaign that's beginning in just over a month's time. This is the Celtic Exchange Weekly, this is Tino, and this week I'm joined by Paddy and Marty as we cover all things Celtic. Paddy, plenty to cover at this moment in time, but it's a real plus to go and win at Pataudry at this early stage, isn't it? It's a great result. I think that um, we're still in the, the early stages of this uh, this team kind of finding its own its own strengths. Um, we're really identifying weaknesses that we we will. I'm pretty certain that we will uh, address in the coming weeks. Um, but on top of that, you go and you get a a fairly comfortable result, in my opinion. Um, I'll, I'll come on it obviously when I'm where I think that's been the case later on. But I just think that uh, to go up to Petardry, second game of the season, we've just lost a centre half and one of our main starters, we've got a new guy kind of coming into the team and we lose our main centre-half at half-time and we, we didn't look too bothered by it. I thought that's the promising sign for me. Marty, welcome back to the show. Uh, some folk thought you were a bit harsh last week at times. Some thought you weren't harsh enough at different really? times. Really? So what's your general take on the one at Aberdeen? Uh, great result, poor performance. Um, it's it's okay to, to actually say that, guys, sometimes. Um Oh, the haters will be hating you, Marty. Oh, well, bring it on. <laughs> the Celtic didn't play, didn't play well at all. And Paddy is right; we didn't. Apart from a few moments here and there, it wasn't totally uncomfortable. But if we look at ourselves and not Aberdeen, uh, we can play miles, miles better than that. Even with the changes, and the uh, the pitch didn't help. I'm sure we'll get on to it. Uh, but we can be much, much better. And there are a couple of players who are really, really poor. We can definitely be better. We always can. But to Paddy's point. There's a lot of factors at play just now. So there's the fact that we're definitely a team in transition. New manager in the door, just most players just getting used to his methods. Uh, your main man, your centre half goes off at half time. You've not got the signings you want through the door just yet. You're still dealing with guys like Alistair Johnson being injured. You sign Marco Tullio, he's nowhere to be seen just yet. There's there's lots at play there. And Petardry's a tough old venue. Now you get up there, I wouldn't say a hostile crowd, that's not how I describe the Aberdeen crowd, but certainly a, a rampant home crowd. It's a tough place to go, whether it's game two or game 22. And Surely the big plus is just getting the three points above all else. Well, yeah, uh, but this is also a point in the season where Paddy's right. We we need to identify places to improve because the window's still open. So this is this is one of the most important times to be critical of the team because if things are not the way we'd like them to be, we need to make changes to it and via selling people and bringing people in. So this is a, a time for whether it is the second game yeah, I'm happy with the three points, obviously, but we still need to look at the performance. And I, I don't think it was anything to do with the tactics or anything like that, really. In talking about embedding tactics in for the second game of the season, it was just an individual players not playing as well as they can or as well as they have done. Yeah, and I'm sure to an extent that'll, that'll be of concern to Rodgers. But Paddy, overall, it was a competitive game. It was a good game. Aberdeen came out as at times. They were very direct. But did you ever feel that the three points were in jeopardy? Really? I... I I didn't, and this is probably where I think you're you're right in what you're saying, Marty, there about the tactics. I think that it was a bit, it, it, it came off yesterday. I think with the way we, that we defended, the way that we tried to approach the game, um, Aberdeen come at you two ways. I think that they're, uh, with them being at home yesterday, I think that the, the, the big attitude for them was to go and try and get in our faces. And they'd done that. What Celtic were clever at is reading it. 
and reading it from the get-go. A lot of the time we were trying to play the ball in behind. Execution was a lot to be desired. I think that's where we come on to the, the like, crit criticising the players and, and what they were trying to deliver and what they were trying to put through. Um, but that ball in behind yesterday was definitely something that they've been working on in training. And another thing, even just on the defensive side of things, um, Aberdeen are a team that really like to bombard the six six yard box when it comes to corners. And I, I don't know if any of you kind of clocked Joe Hart yesterday. Every time a ball went in, he was almost preempting the fact that he knew, he knew where it was going each time. And he was getting his hand to everything yesterday. And I just think it's clever, clever like tactics, clever um, game management and just the understanding of what you could come up against. And I thought we managed it pretty well, which made me feel that there wasn't much of a threat coming up against us. But definitely going forward, there's a lot more that could have clicked a bit better. Yeah, I definitely did pick up on the Joe Hart stuff. I spoke to Joe, our Joe, Joe Clark, when we were doing the, the post-match and we covered that. And I think you're right, he made some uh, vital interceptions, if you like, and, and palmed it away at different times. That said, and I'm not one who's hypercritical of Joe Hart at this moment in time, I actually thought he could have come out and, and claimed a lot. He's six foot whatever, and then he's got two big arms that he can put right above his head, which makes him, I don't know, nine or ten feet. Could he not maybe be a wee bit more commanding? Because once you pull it out the sky, you can then just slow everything down, empty your box and, and kick on from there. True. I think you look at the kind of the, the pace of the delivery in that though, and I think that he's been playing for how many years now? It's never been his... Like, he's never always done that uh, with any team he's played, especially around the six-yard box. He's always been someone that's just tried to clear it. Um, and I think that you just stick to what you know, stick to what you're comfortable with, because... He never put any of those balls back out into danger. And I just think that that was just clever from Rodgers yesterday. You can definitely see he's been watching what Aberdeen have been doing in pre-season, watching what they're going to be coming up against. And as much as, yes, there's definitely things to get, uh, to get, to get sorted, the tactics were right yesterday. And that's why it seemed so comfortable. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm just asking that question about Joe Hart. But overall, I do agree with you. The most important thing is empty the box, clear the, the imminent danger and then move on from there. You lads will have seen the, the clip down the rounds of Vasilis Barkas's wonder save <laughs> for Utrecht uh, against PSV. If anyone's not seen it, uh, I'll share it on our social media, particularly Twitter. Uh, time to bring him home, Marty? I knew you were going to say those exact words. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm so predictable. Um, uh, no, no thanks. No, it was a wonder save, but then someone else highlighted his fault for the other two goals. I think it's PSV they were playing. Yeah. And he looked, he looked back to... Uh, what he, what he had become at Celtic, basically. So, I less said about Barcast, the better. Okay, listen, plenty to cover, so let's take a look at what's coming up on this week's show. First up, we'll take a look at the case for the defence as Celtic ended the game against Aberdeen with an unlikely back four of Tony Ralston, Stephen Welsh, Mike Navrotsky and Greg Taylor, which may or may not be concerning to some with just five weeks until our opening Champions League fixture. Beyond that, we'll then focus on the very positive impact from new boys Odin Thiago Holm and Yang as they both played their part in securing the win over Aberdeen. Then it's time for this week's Path to Paradise as the lads try to identify the career path of a well-known XL. And finally, we close out the show with a question from our listeners, or more specifically from our YouTube viewers this week, who are concerned about our lack of transfer activity with just a little over two weeks of the window remaining. OK, let's get started by taking a closer look at Celtic's defence at this moment in time, which has been a bit topsy-turvy so far, with the notable absence of Alistair Johnson and, at times, Cameron Carter-Vickers. Paddy, in our two competitive games so far, we've already used six defenders and conceded three goals. Do you have any concerns about who we're looking at the moment? Yeah, I, I, I do. Um, I think that we 
are obviously just we've, we've just lost a, a great defender in Carl Starfield. I know we've bring we've sorry we've brought uh, Navrotsky in there to to try and and accommodate for that. I'm just hopeful we see uh, two of the centre half targets at least one of them come through the door this week. Um, I have to say, fair play to Stephen Welsh yesterday. I thought he handled himself pretty well. Uh, it's a very difficult fixture to come into, um, but he, he didn't look out of shape at all. Didn't look out of place. Um, so a big well done to him. Um, he's more of the, that kind of defender. It's he's not going to be bad in and around the box when balls are getting played in over the top. Um, but I just don't see the ball playing side from him. Um, but having said that, very difficult game to come into, and I thought he read it pretty pretty well. Got up to speed pretty quickly. Fullbacks concerning me, um, big time. I, I I take nothing away for Alison. I actually don't think he. I thought he'd done okay yesterday, but okay is it good enough for a, a Champions League starting eleven? Uh, and I think that with Alistair Johnson, we know we hope that he's going to keep going the way he's going because I definitely think that is your number one right back. But I was reading today that they're actually considering looking at Bolster in that position as well. The big one is obviously at the moment is left back. I just don't think it's suited to Greg Taylor at all, which hurts me to say, but I would say last season, I, w- I would have thought we should still be looking at that position anyway. Let's take care of each of these guys one at a time because there's quite a lot to cover across each of the individual positions. I'm with you, Paddy, on Greg Taylor. I think he's, listen, it's early days, I know that, so it's not panic stations, but I think he looks like he's a player out of sorts. I thought he was really poor at Aberdeen. Yeah. I thought really poor. I thought he got bullied by a, a 21-year-old winger, was it Morris, who, who looks like a decent player, but it looked like the roles were reversed. He was the experienced international when Taylor was a kid. And that's, you know, he's only 21, this boy. Um, I thought he struggled defensively. I thought he struggled offensively. I don't think he brought much to the party. The one really positive thing he done, and credit where it's due, is he did find himself in a high inverted role, which led to Celtic's third goal. It was he who put it out to Yang, who then got it across to O'Reilly. But generally speaking, Marty, I think he's out of sorts. And my amateur assessment of the situation is that he spent two years getting fully up to speed in the Ange system, fully immersed himself in it and he was great you know a lot of people had him for player of the season and, and you know there's merit in that but he's now reverting back to a more traditional fullback, and I think he's struggling Yeah it's one of his worst ever performances for Celtic um, you're going back to the um, the Lennon season the, uh, the last one he was and it's not all to do with the the most concerning thing is it's not all to do with the system there was just simple things he couldn't do he's really really slow to react on the ball whenever he got the ball Last season, he would be looking to pop it into midfield or if he was in midfield, looking to take it in then quickly. He got the ball, put his head up, looked, looked, looked and that uh, winger was straight at his feet every single time and that means that he couldn't get the ball up the wing or and the, they were pressing high so there wasn't that position in midfield for him to pass into. Uh, but it suddenly became the number one thing we need as a, a new left back. Paddy, I, I change my mind each week on the priority. Uh, you know, I've said for a few weeks it's a striker and I still maintain that's a, an issue just now with, particularly with all being injured and really you're looking at um, Kyogo and Maeda and Maeda's finishing <laughs> when he was through on goal does, you know, he's great in other ways and we'll maybe cover that. It's not part of the agenda today but we'll maybe get to that at some point. But yeah, in terms of Greg Taylor uh, and left back, I think all of a sudden it's become a, a priority because Bernabe isn't the tradi- traditional fullback that Rogers wants. He might be something. He's the mystery man, isn't he? We don't know what he might bring to the table. But he doesn't look like he's going to be a traditional, powerful, attacking fullback. And that's what Brendan Rogers wants. But nor does Greg Taylor. So all of a sudden, has that got to be a focus for signing? It does, but I'm I'm interested. I, I heard, sorry, I read uh, Rogers' words about Bernabe yesterday, basically just saying, 
water under the bridge regarding uh, missing the, the team meeting. Uh, these things happen, but he couldn't take the risk on involving him in a team in case, you know, his head wasn't 100% there. And I get that. I understand where, where the manager's coming from there. To be so public about, you know, just forgiving him and saying, yeah, that's it. I've not really heard a lot of managers do that. And it makes me think, does he have a plan for him? Is this guy going to be, you know, is he going to be given the task leading up to the end of this month? Um, the other thing is, is that we're, we're hearing some more murmurings about, about Tierney. And I, obviously, I know every Celtic fan would bite their hand off to get Kieran Tierney back in the hoops. Me personally, I don't see it happening. I'd love it to happen, but I've just, I've just got a feeling, nah, there's too many bigger teams for him. Yeah, I think there's La Liga teams seem to be in for him, and that that would maybe seem the obvious route. The fact that he wasn't in the even in the squad for Arsenal, am I right in saying that? Yeah. At the weekend, first game of the season, you don't make the squad. Writing's on the wall by the looks of it. Um, but in terms of what Celtic can do, it's interesting that Rodgers was so vocal about Burnaby but I also think Brendan Rodgers he's a very smart guy and he uses the media well and he knows that his words get picked up on he'll absolutely pick and choose what he lets out there and what information he reveals knowing that players read the papers inverted commas certainly go online they know what's been said about them but I was trying to picture Burnaby uh, and at left back at Pataudry yesterday and that, that to me that's even more terrifying than, than a poor big tailor. I just don't think he's got it defensively. And I think that young winger had the bit between his teeth and I think he'd have torn shreds off Burnaby. Someone made a suggestion and I'm surprised at myself for agreeing with this one, but I actually think Liam Scales would have been better at left back yesterday. What do you think of that? That's the end of the show. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> no. Look, looking back, because Taylor was so bad. Um, hindsight's great, isn't hindsight, it? But, but if Scales is at left back in that game... It, when the team sheet comes out, everyone is like, sorry, what? What the hell? So I'd probably say no. I know, but you know, Brendan Rodgers and others should care less what we think. The, the, enjo- the important job is to put the team out that, that does the job on the park. He's been impressed by Scales, he said as much, and I don't know what Brendan Rodgers' thoughts are until at this moment in time, but I just think Scales, big, powerful, strong, and probably as confident as he's been at this moment in his Celtic career. Listen, there's every chance he'll end up back at Pataudry under Barry Robson's management, at least for the season ahead, but... Yeah, with hindsight, I thought he could have done a better job. And I suppose the overarching point here, Paddy, is that if we're considering that skills might have been better, or at least if I and some others are, then it's not a great place to be, is it? Where you're thinking that that's, that would have been okay? It's not a great place at all, you know. And I think someone like Liam Scales, we, we tend to forget he's he's 24 now. You know, it's he's not that young player that we're hoping to see what he does. And I, I think that we quickly discovered in his first few, few games at Celtic, um, a, I don't think it was an hand signing at all. B, definitely not a left back. And C, he was really struggling uh, at playing centre half at points as well. I don't think he's quick enough for the way we like to play football. I take nothing away from what he done uh, for Aberdeen last season to the point that they do want to sign him back. But for me, I would say that that would be his level. You might be right. Um, but again, it just shows the concern uh, about the full back areas, particularly left back at this moment in time. Uh, you mentioned Stephen Welsh and rightfully so, Paddy. Uh, all Stephen Welsh can do is what he done yesterday. You come in at half time, there's a job to be done, a game in the balance. And I thought he barely put a foot wrong, Marty. Yeah, fair play to me. Done, uh, done exactly what, uh, what was asked of him. Um, he doesn't really seem a guy that gets phased by too much. He's quite a cool, um, quite a cool young guy or young, I don't know what age he is now. Yeah, he's, he, there's nothing really he, he had to. He was up against Duke was in um, the wing. Um, Majowski was kind of pottering about 
I think he'd done pretty well and he popped the ball about okay. Brendan Rodgers was very positive about him, you know, saying he's a Celtic lad, he wants to be here. And importantly, Rodgers said, and I want him to be here. I don't know how that will sit with everybody. I like Stephen Welsh. I think he's I think he's an honest player. I think that's the bare minimum you can expect. You know, he goes and he, he, he tries his heart out. But does he have a future at Celtic? And how do you feel if, if he does? I've got no problem with Welsh staying as a, a third or fourth choice. Um, but that that's the thing. When these guys come in, like when Carl Vickers does get injured, um, that's the, that's why you have a squad. I would like an upgrade, but if he's maybe our fourth, then I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be too annoyed about that. I've got no, I've got no real qualms about him playing certain games in the Premiership. It's just the Champions League, and as we keep going back to, and it's like games against Rangers and stuff like that. But if he's there, and I wouldn't be too annoyed. Paddy, a lot of folk are suggesting that he's a better defender than Kobayashi from the limited stuff we've seen from him and and the Wata as well, who we know was thrown in at right back. So there's clearly some potential for Stephen Welsh to be there. Brendan Rodgers mentioned that when he was here first time around, he took Welsh on some sort of pre-season trip. He's seen some, something in him at that time. And maybe he just wants to see that out. Maybe he's seen enough of the, I'm saying the boy, you know, as you say, Matt, he's a, he's a young man now, but maybe Rodgers has seen enough to think, I, I want to work with him, I want to develop him and I want to make him a better player. Uh, Matty mentioned Carter Vickers and, and he will always be Celtic's first choice centre-half, but it's fair to say that he's not quite at himself... I'm putting him at fault for Aberdeen's goal. Um, just got his positioning wrong. Just never uh, dealt with Duke accordingly. And it's very rare that we're ever seeing anything like that about CCV. Yeah, it is. I think uh, he's he's built enough credit in the bank uh, over the last two seasons, in my opinion. Um, and we kind of, we pick up on that with certain players, right? You know, we, we look at sometimes the tatty with wayward passes that would go unnoticed. But if it was like a, a, a Mikey Johnson that played the same kind of pass, the stadium would erupt in anger. I think you could kind of see the frustrations build yesterday with Greg Taylor. Uh, and I'm, I'm taking nothing away. It was a poor performance from Taylor. You mentioned there a couple of times it was just the the pass into the middle wasn't quick enough or he was looking up and hesitating too much and the players were coming on. If you actually watch the game back, Carter Vickers was guilty of that for 90 minutes as well. A lot of the times, and, and it's credit to Aberdeen for this, by the way, a lot of the time the press up onto us was putting us into an awkward position uh, and when we were getting the ball into the middle, that's when the midfielders, they weren't even looking up. They just kind of knew what the plan was just to try and put it in over over the top for someone to run on to. Um, but it didn't always work. It didn't always work. And I think that whether he's trying to get up to match speed still, considering the injury he's came back from, I can take that just now. And I think that these games, the, whether it's 45 minutes, whether it's an hour, whether it's a full 90 minutes, is going to do him the world of good. And I... I there wasn't much from the guys yesterday that made me think that that injury was serious. Yep. So I just think it's precautionary. Bring him off. Just He's still building himself back up to fitness. Yeah. If you think Aberdeen's high press was good, wait till we get to the Champions League <laughs> uh, in five weeks' time. Um, and it's up to Celtic to deal with that. Carl Vickers is quite a composed defender, isn't he, Marty? And I just think the fact that he never had a full pre-season of sorts. He never went to Japan, nor did Tony Ralston. And it's going to take a bit of time. I almost feel to an extent you can't obviously choose this, but almost like Brendan Rodgers is still using these early games as pre-season games, important as they are, every point's a prisoner in the, in the Scottish Premiership, but he's clearly still testing the water, trying a few thing, things out. Is it Turnbull? Is it Hitati? Is it this? Is it that? Um, and on Tony Ralston, um, I think he was perfectly fine as well. I thought he had a decent game, but I suppose it does come down to the question, Marty. I'm not being facetious when I you know talk about the back four that we finished with between Ralston, Welsh, Navrotsky and Taylor. You wouldn't be delighted going into play 
Madrid again with that, would you? Oh no, that wouldn't be nice. <laughs> um, uh, Ralston done okay, I, I think. Um, a couple of times caught out position. Um, in particular, one uh, Clarkson got the ball down the left-hand side. In acres of space, cut inside, whipped the shot towards the bottom corner, went wide, but um, he had plenty of space and, and Ralston was kind of struggling to get back. Apart from that, yeah, it was it was it was okay. It was fine. Um, and nobody, if there was one fullback performance that overshadowed the other, overshadowed the other one in terms of being bad yesterday, and it was Taylor over Ralston. Yeah, and it doesn't doesn't give any of us in here any great pleasure to say that, but it's just the reality. I wonder, you know, if Greg Taylor were being honest with himself, he would accept he's not quite rediscovered. The, the very high standards he set for himself and as I say credit but it's due for what he's done the last couple of seasons but so far this season and as I say early days but he's not quite got going in terms of what we've got in reserve at this moment in time defensively so we've yet to see anything competitively from Burnaby he missed the squad last week because he was having a nap which is fine up to him uh, and Iwata but I don't know if Iwata's a defender these days or a midfielder but whatever he is he's out the picture he's on the bench there at Pataudry but not doing much and we know about Kobayashi he's Unfortunately for him, he's out injured just as he's trying to you know, get things moving in his Celtic career. But at the moment, when you look at it across the board, the options are still fairly thin. It is. It is. I think, um, I think obviously the fact that when Starfield left, we go straight to looking at two two centre-halves in one week is um, is hopefully going to, like, th those deals are going to get concluded fairly quickly. I was reading something about Starfield's agent that's apparently put us on to the... Yeah. The Swedish guy, I can't... Gustav Lagerbjelka. Thank you for that. Not remember his name there. <laughs> I'll just call him Gustav. I yeah, there you go. But I just think that it's uh, it's good to see that we're acting on that straight away. The, the big concern for me is we've still not acted on Jota leaving. Yeah, listen, let, let's get to that a bit further down the line. But we'll look at Gustav Lagerbjelka. So strongly suggested by the man himself, actually, that he's going to be here in the coming days. He played what looks to be his final game for Elfsborg last night. They get beat 1-0. But he spoke after the game about how he's excited to be joining a Champions League club, to be following the footsteps of Henrik Larsson, Johan Mjölby, etc. So if it doesn't come now, it's, something's gone wrong in the negotiation. But I wonder what he'll bring to the party. I've got his fact fill here. So he's 23 years of age. He's a ball-playing centre-half. He's six foot three. Made his debut. He's got one cap at this moment in time for Sweden. Made his debut against Iceland and in January of this year. Including loans, he's already played for six clubs in Sweden, which I think's interesting in itself. Don't know if he's not quite found his feet or, or what the reasons for that are, but he could be an interesting signing, Paddy. I've looked at his YouTube showreel, which means absolutely zero, yeah. but what is your take on him and, and what you've heard so far? Um, I, I, to be honest, I've not read up much about him. Um, I you, think you barely knew his name? I barely knew his name. Aye, the Swedish guy. Uh, no, I think that to be in and around so many clubs is a slight concern. I think maybe not finding his feet, but then having the, the, the composure to kind of reinstate himself at Elfsborg and then get into the Swedish national team is telling me maybe something is starting to click for him and maybe he's he's, um, he's starting to build up a bit of momentum and how he wants to how he wants to go in football and I think that yeah just was it three million they're talking about yeah worth a risk if you're getting into the Swedish national team I, I think that they've, they're just a very steady setup always have been um, so yeah worth a risk yeah, he must have something about him. Maybe he's just a, a slightly late developer. You know, you don't always have to burst onto the scene at 18, 19 and 20. Sometimes guys take a bit of time to find their feet. But he looks to be quite a composed guy. You know, he seems to have something about him there, Marty. And I'm wondering I'm wondering if, you know, the fact that Brendan Rodgers has gone out to sign two centre-halves very quickly in, in Starfield's absence, do you think we could potentially go to a back three in Europe at times? It's probably not necessary uh, domestically, but I wonder if that allows me to 
maybe go for some sort of three-five-two setup when we get to Europe. I, I think that's certainly a possibility. But who's going to play left wing back if we do that? Alessandro. Alessandro possibly, but I actually think Greg Taylor on the overlap last season when when we were counter-attacking was, was clinical. I do, so it possibly opens up a reprieve for him in the sense of it's a different position. It's more kind of, it's, it's not the identical, but it's not far off what he played last season. I think that would, that would possibly help him. Some of his link-up play was brilliant last year, but he's not at that level this season so far. I think um, if we were to go down that road, we need to kind of invest in it, and because if we were if if you're playing uh, two wing backs, that means one of Maeda and Abada is out the team, and if you're playing Maeda and Kyogo up front in a two, and we're packed in midfield, I'm not totally against that, but I would if you're doing that though, then you need to sign a wing back and you need to sign another striker. It puts Celtic in such a unique position, doesn't it? That actually, you know, the, the landscape of Scottish football being what it is, lots of teams parking the bus against you just routinely, week in, week out. Any coach of Celtic's got that quandary, Paddy, that they, they effectively had to build, create, mould a team over here for what you're doing for your 38 league games and actually something else altogether over here for what might only be six yeah. Champions League games at this moment in time. It's quite a strange position to be in. It is, but I tell you something, I don't think it does us any harm at all that actually Ross County and Aberdeen have came at us. You know, Ross County got their goals last week, Aberdeen have got their goal yesterday. I don't think they've sat in and tried to soak up the pressure and hope for a counter-attack. They've actually came, into our, uh, came, came at our faces. We've answered it relatively well. We're still, as I say, we're nowhere near a, a finished article yet, but two teams have, have decided to go, have a go at us and we've handled it. So I think possibly the idea of what you guys are talking about potentially, like maybe three at the back, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed to it at all. I think that would be quite interesting to see. Makes me think if there was someone like Kieran Tierney coming in, that's an ideal position for him on that left hand side. It'd be great to see. Rogers has mentioned though in his his early weeks in the job that he wants to give his players the autonomy to switch up positions mid game. You know, if they see a partner play or something developing, or you know, the opposition playing in a in a certain way, so. It could be interesting that, listen, you can start a 3-5-2 and very quickly that can become something different altogether. Mary, is the, is the huge plus about Lager Bielka coming in, or hopefully coming in, um, the fact that it puts to bed the Scott McKenna rumours? Well, that, that would be nice. <laughs> Even though McKenna done okay um, against Arsenal, I thought. Um, I think we good, um, but, but for it, that's what McKenna does. He's actually decent against these teams who are piling, I think, in the box because he just... Throws himself in front of everything. The problem with McKenna is, is actually playing football. Do you so, know, and I know you've been slightly tongue in cheek there, but you're right. And I think it's exactly where Carl Starfield found himself. See, if you stuck Carl Starfield at the back for Notts Forest, he'd, he'd have great games against aye. Arsenal, Man City, Man United. He'd be that kind of, you know, throwing everything at it to, to block things. But it's just, it's the ball playing part of it. And that's not, try not to be disrespectful, but that's not their strengths, is it? No, and it's not how we play. It's definitely not how we play. And I think that that's why we've seen so many teams linked with someone like Stephen Welsh as well because what he gives you defensively is fine but it's going forward that's what where we need him to be at and that's where it breaks down a bit yeah, um, yeah same could be said for Starfield but I think it's, it's fair to say just overall just assessing where we're at just now defensively and you know as we say there's hopefully additions to come in I think we've said this about a few positions now, but I think we're okay for what we're doing domestically, but if we're to make an impact in Europe, there's work to be done. So let's see what happens between now and the close of the window, which as we know is on 1st of September. 
Brendan Rodgers has stressed that the 11 who finish the game might just be as important as the 11 who start games these days and that was highlighted against Aberdeen with the very important roles that new boys Odin Thiago Holm and Yang played in the 3-1-1. Stephen Wells too of course but we've already covered him. Marty let's start with Yang. The third goal was all down to his skill inside the box so how do you think he's been doing in general? I have been really impressed with him. I've liked pretty much everything I've saw from him um, so far. The profile of him as a, an athlete I, can, I think he's maybe taking everyone by surprise a wee bit. I don't know. I, I just envisioned him being some kind of little tricky winger, but he's he's um, he's quite broad, quite strong, quite fast, and he just runs at people. And I've been wanting someone like that as a a winger for a while now, kind of like Maeda, but Maeda doesn't have the end product. But in terms of causing mayhem by just running at people, we haven't had enough players that have done it in recent years. Even when Ange was was doing well, and even when Rogers was there as well, thinking back to Sinclair and people that are just running at people. And it was a cracking bit of skill, um, and um, I don't think he's just putting that into an area. I no. think he's looking for O'Reilly, uh, which is crucial, and yeah, I think he's been really good. I thought it was a great assist, Paddy. It was just this, the skill, the trickery Marty speaks of was spot on, but then when you hit the byline, all sorts of things have, can still happen. You know, you can go high and handsome and all that kind of stuff. You can just batter it across the front and see what happens. It looks like he picked out O'Reilly, the vision just to cut it back, and O'Reilly's shown you know, real composure. But Marty's right, the, the profile of Yang is interesting. You think of wingers as often fairly kind of slight, tend to be kind of smaller guys, you know, kind of wee bags of tricks and all that stuff. Yang's a powerful guy. Mm-hmm. He He's also a willing worker. He seems to put on a shift off the ball and he's a slightly different profile and it, it gives Celtic something different. It, it just is a, an incredible first touch into his feet and his feet then moving forward, forward with the ball was so fluid just until it got to the byline as well. It was a, it was a lovely assist. Um, I think one of the things we talk about, especially with with, with what you're meaning, like a little tricky wingers, they might have a low centre of gravity, all the balance in the world, but sometimes it just looks very rigid and they, like the ball maybe bounces up off someone and they get the break of it. Like a badder. <laughs> like a badder to an extent, aye. Um, whereas I think with, with this guy, it's his ball, come and get it. He looked so, so comfortable anytime he received it. And I kind of felt like that against Ross County as well. Maybe still just kind of finding his feet in terms of he's maybe trying to do too much to begin with that's only natural coming into such a, a, a big club a big environment that he has but he's, he's done himself some favours there yesterday big time yeah, Another question Paddy and something I know you're keen to address he's, he's been impressive he looks good he could be a real fine for Celtic he's no Jota is he and listen who is he's a tall order to replace but are we still missing that magic player you know that that guy with that bit of spark to, to come in and replace Jota I think the big worrying thing for me yesterday um, talking about that creative spark is that as much as Maeda could run for days and days and days is like what Marty says is that some is, he just blows hot and cold sometimes I definitely think we still need someone on the right I really do I think uh, Abada is, is good enough to be in and around the team but I don't think he's a number one I don't think he's a starter I really don't and I don't think he reaches that that full level um, but what he, he offers is is definitely something different I think that you know there, there are definite points where he's popping up all the time and scoring I'm not taking anything away from that but as his role as a winger I don't think he's anywhere near the levels he should be for that Abad is a number one for me right. but I think it's it's really interesting that in it, 
in saying that, I still completely agree with what you're saying because Abada's goals and assists are, are there to be seen. You cannot argue with them. But there's a lot goes on in between it, Marty, and I know you're wanting your, your bit here, so I'll give you <laughs> You know, there's there's frustrations in Abada's game. There's no getting away from it. But I think he's now at a level and a stage in his progression where Brendan Rodgers might have come along, along at the perfect time for him. And Oops. I think Rodgers, potentially, the early signs are there that he sees him as his number one winger. And I'd love to see him kick on. And one of the things that excites me most about him is the just the bags of potential he's got. He's already good. His numbers are already impressive. If that can get cranked up a notch and, you know, develop even further, then I think it could be really, really exciting. Shoot me down, Marty. I'm just waiting for your comments. No, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll die on this hill. Uh, he's just... Oh, it's just this thing of scoring a goal again. And you're like... It's the same with Tumble last week. So how do you criticise? Are you annoyed that he scored? I would rather it somewhere else, but <laughs> oh, so he scored fair, right, fair enough. But oh man, the guy's he's so frustrating. He's he's not a good. He's just he's not a good team player. He's whenever the right back has got the ball, generally everyone everyone watch whenever the right back's got the ball. How many times a bad sprints away instead of coming to feet? And if he's been told to run in, run in behind every single time, then fair enough. But you can't do that every time because then the ball needs to go back. He does it every single time. And his technique is abysmal in pretty much everything he does. He <laughs> stumbles through and things. And the way that he scores goals. Terrible technique. What, how, how, is he going to miss that? Goals is the name of the game. You've got to be there to miss it. He, he's made an art form of ghosting in at the back post. He, he's, he's done it to serious effect against Rangers. He's not there by chance. He's positioned himself. The alternative is he's in the mix, going for headers, hanging about, but he's savvy enough. There was nobody near him, defenders-wise, and he's just thinking... Something might drop here. That's Fine. a listen. That's a skill in itself. Sutton said in commentary yesterday that he is the epitome of a natural finisher, and I nearly, I nearly fell off my chair. It's, if he is a natural finisher, my is a natural finisher as I'd well. Say he's more a, an instinctive finisher. I think that's kind of the same with yeah. uh, with Maeda as well. I don't think you give a badder time. time you give Maeda time. It reminded me a little bit of uh, Kenny Miller at Celtic. You know, instinctively score something. No, I'm just thinking of him. Just incredible goals. But then if he was one-on-one -on -one with a goalkeeper, he's going to miss. I think we've all seen those types of players, aren't we? You know, guys that go through and go and you, you can almost put the mortgage on it. I, I would agree, Marty. Abada and uh, Maeda aren't those guys. But when they, as I say, they position themselves, you know, so smartly that they almost play the percentage game when that comes to a bad on, on Sunday at Pataudry he can't miss so you can say oh it's, a, oh it's an easy chance it's only an easy chance because he gets there in the first place however I'm, I'm not knocking some of your, your other points you know he can frustrate I don't think there's any Celtic fan around that would you know disagree with that you know there's moments where he he gifts possession he tries too much and different things but I just think there's there's so much to work with there and let's bring it back so obviously we, you know, we started this conversation talking about Yang and, and what he can bring I've referenced often enough the, the the impact that Paddy Roberts had at Celtic, not just on what he brought to the table, but what he brought to James Forrest, because he put a real pressure on James Forrest out in that right-hand side, and it got the best out of James Forrest, probably the best football of his career at that moment in time, eh, under Brendan Rodgers' first time around. Could it have the same impact, Paddy, with Abada? Abada's been in, out, in and out of the team last season. He seems to be the main man, or the, the starter at this moment in time, but could Yang put a real healthy pressure on him out in that right-hand side? Absolutely, absolutely. I still, for me though, I wouldn't actually mind giving Yang a shot out in the left. I thought he looked really, really comfortable in that position and I still think that we should be getting a winger that's going to push both sides as well uh, to come in. I still think we're light there. And what I would say on that one as well is I think that someone like Maeda 
because I, I just can't give up on the guy. I don't know why. I don't know what it is. I can't give up on him. He, I watched him go through one and one yesterday and I thought, he's going to miss that. Aye. I, I think everybody thought that. Aye. But then if the ball was played him. in the top and the goalkeeper came out, he'd, he'd lob him with the first touch. <laughs> he's, he's so frustrating, but I love him. I don't know why. And I think he, he will maybe, I think we'll see him more in the centre if we bring in an, another winger. I think just on, on Maeda, I think it's Celtic's job and specifically Brendan Rodgers' job to play to his strengths. His strength isn't going through and goal, but what is, is terrifying guys like Nicky Devlin, yeah. for example, you know, in the first half particularly, just give him a, a, a bit of space to run into and, and it's all over. Not even a contest, you know, it's just his, his pace is frightening. And he played in a bad eye, in fact, at one point, which a bad I should have done better with. Remember, he, he opted to shoot right in the goalie's arms when the, the, the touch off to Kyogo was oh, a better I option. I remember. I'm sure you'll remember. <laughs> you'll have had it burned into your soul since then. But he's... Uh, He's just so dangerous in certain areas, Maeda. And I think it's important for Celtic to to play towards those strengths. We know one-on-one isn't his his biggest asset in terms of going through on goal, but he's so dangerous getting in those pockets behind fullbacks. And I think it's it's Celtic's challenge to to try and find the best of him. Moving on from the wide areas, and listen, there's lots more to cover, and we could cover the fact that Aksabanovic is way out of the picture, and I just don't think he fits, and, and we'll maybe get to that in, in the weeks ahead. But clear that, that Roger doesn't rate him. So much so that he's reverting back to a James Forrest who I think we've all agreed his best days are beyond him but Brendan Rodgers seems to trust him at this moment in time more than a Haxabanovic. Uh, but the other uh, new boy who came on and done pretty well I thought was Odin Thiago Holm. Uh, he was more involved than Yang overall given the, the position in the park but I just thought he showed a, a real maturity in there. He's really cultured on the ball. I like him. I like the look of him a lot. Um, his first game he just kind of I mentioned it last week he just kind of looked a bit slight and, but he didn't for some reason he didn't Cut that Kenny same figure this time. He's bucked up in the last fortnight. Uh, apparently, <laughs> <laughs> he's been hitting the gym since uh, you mentioned. He's uh, he just looked a bit more comfortable. I don't know if he was um, at Celtic Park a wee bit kind of playing within himself this time. Uh, we also his his Instagram post after it, so he's clearly a confident young guy, which I don't really have an issue with. And he had a couple of really nice touches, in particular the one on the byline where he skipped beyond the defender. So I think yeah, he's, and if Turnbull continues that, then he's certainly ahead of him in the picking order. Well, there's a question, Paddy. So, very unfortunate for Hatati to pick up what looks like some sort of calf knock and similar to CCV, hopefully it's, it's nothing major, maybe a week or two. But all of a sudden that opens up potential position for somebody like Thiago Holm. Um, I was disappointed by Turnbull. I'm a big fan, you know, on record over the last number of weeks and months, but he didn't fully take his opportunity, Pataudry, that's fair to say. And the fact that we've now got a League Cup fixture away to Kilmarnock next weekend, I think it's three o'clock on Sunday, Paddy, Maybe that's an ideal opportunity to give somebody like Yang and Thiago home a start. I wouldn't be surprised if we did. Um, I think that a game we're still in this area we're, we're talking about is like a, a second pre-season. It's a tough position for the, the, the club at the moment, just trying to figure out what we need and how much are we going to spend on these players. Is this going to be a starter coming in? Is this going to be someone that's going to challenge what we have? I don't think Holmes been brought here as a project I really don't I think he's been brought to come into this this start of living um, and I think that if Hatati goes I wouldn't be surprised if that's that's your, your new midfielder the I succession really plan Aye, I think so would you be okay with that Matt? do you think that's something that we could move towards um, if Hatati goes I would still like a replacement in but um, I, I've got no problem if if home uh, meets up to the expectations for him I don't really have a problem uh, with that same kind of kindly profile a bit I thought it maybe a bit more stronger but um, I would still like someone in but I, I, I've liked what I've seen of him and I think 
I think this the game this weekend's coming at a really good time in the League Cup. We are we are never gonna um get these guys progressing unless they play games and this is the game. I wait to come on up first League Cup game. Also we need to win it if we want to win a treble, but you need to give these guys some game time yeah. and I don't think I would have played I wouldn't have played Carter Vickers anyway this weekend. Um just because he is still getting back to my and on that park and because of the, the nature of his injury that he had, I wouldn't I wouldn't have played him anyway. So I would like some changes, um, more than more than Ange would have done, put it that way. Yeah, I, I think it's a good fixture, a good time, Barry, because we are in transition and as much as we as fans will voice a variety of opinions, Brendan Rodgers is still trying to work out who he can bank on. The new signings is interesting because you know you talk about the fact that you might get one and two right or, or maybe slightly better under Ange, but it's, it's always hard to predict just how a... A kid from Norway is going to do when he gets to Glasgow, or two lads coming from South Korea, for example. Um, and it's kind of so far so mixed, isn't it? So Thiago Home and, and Yang we've mentioned there. We've seen nothing of Quan, and I don't know what that says for him so far. He's kind of competing with Callum McGregor, and that's that's no easy task. Uh, Navroski, fine, he's come in, hit the ground running. And obviously it's disappointing that we've not seen anything of Marco Tilio so far. So it's as I say, so far so no bad in terms of the, the signings, isn't it? As as I think uh, we are still crying out for a few a few positions just to be a bit more solid. Um, get into get into the international break just to get them in as soon as possible and give them a bit of time to get used to the the rest of the team and just be ready to kick on from September is is crucial. I don't want us to have to wait to fill positions in January. I don't want to have to do that. We were very nervous about having to do that under Ange in the first season. Don't get me wrong, I think he had a much bigger build. Um, but I just think that we should know by, well, now, in my opinion, what we need. What we need. And I think this is a very, very crucial two and a half, three weeks coming up. I totally agree. And listen, let's hold that chat for now. So we'll catch that in the, the final section through the listener's question. But there's definitely some question marks over current guys, let alone what comes in at Celtic. Who might still exit? Because we mentioned Hattati, there's always that niggling concern that he might go. I, I share the kind of, that feeling. I hope that he's here for, for the foreseeable, but you just never know. But there's other guys like Iwata, Haksabanovic, I mentioned in Burnaby, who have got a, a total of zero competitive minutes so far under Rodgers. And I know we're just two games in, but you know, is there a future there? But listen, with any signing, there's an element of risk. So pleased with what we've seen so far from Thiago Holm and Yang. And we'll need to wait and see about some of the others. OK, it's now time for the Path to Paradise, where each week I'll tell you the clubs a player has played for before his move to Celtic, and we'll also name any teams he then went to after he left, and all you need to do is name the player in question. Uh, been running it for a couple of weeks now, Paddy, or a few weeks, and uh, so far it's been far too easy, at least for guys like Paddy and some others. <laughs> um, I know you struggled a bit last week, but are you ready for this week's Path to Paradise? Well, I've got the big man next to me, so I'll just claim his answer as moment. <laughs> Paddy's here in a supporting role. OK, here we go. So the teams are as follows. Dundee, Hearts... Celtic, Grasshoppers of Zurich and Kilmarnock. So have a wee think and in the meantime here's a reminder of why you should be joining us over at the Celtic Exchange Plus for the season ahead. Well, the guys are trying to figure that one out, I want to remind you that now's the time to go all in on the new season by signing up for all of the additional content we provide listeners over on the Celtic Exchange Plus. At the Celtic Exchange Plus you can enjoy extra episodes from us throughout the week with pre and post match podcasts for every Celtic game as well as bonus episodes with ex-players, coaches, journalists and much more. In addition, you'll also get early access to our weekly show ahead of its general release, and you can also listen to all of our episodes completely ad-free. You can test the water right now at absolutely no cost by starting your free 7-day trial at theceltichexchange.com. 
And if you like what you're hearing, you can then enjoy everything we offer from just £3.75 a month if choosing the annual subscription option. Go all in on Celtic this season with the Celtic Exchange Plus to ensure you don't miss any of the action as the treble champions of Scotland go all out to defend their trophies. Get started in less than two minutes at theceltichexchange.com and we'll see you on the other side. So I'm seeing a, a couple of blank faces here. Uh, I don't know if you've got it or not. Do you want to give us a, a few of your guesses and then you can tell us your, your final answer? Who, who are you thinking? I don't even have any guesses. I really don't. You've, That's a good you've one. stumped me here, mate. Yeah. Aye, aye. It's, About um, time. Aye, aye. decent. He was most prominent in the, the Hamden season. Um, played around about that time, so kind of mid nineties, if that helps you in any way. I, I have to say, the grasshoppers one through me. You know, I was kind of digging out the the question earlier on, and it caught me off guard. You got something? Go for it. Beep it out. Aye. The man's got it. Oh man, that is that's a belter. It's a decent one. So what we'll do, we'll post a graphic for this week's Path to Paradise on Twitter as well on Tuesday morning at Celtic Exchange. So if you think you know the answer, you can also let us know there. As mentioned, our listeners' question section this week comes from several of our commenters on our latest YouTube video who are concerned about Celtic's lack of transfer activity in general with just over two weeks left of the window. Thanks to folks such as Frank Brennan, Gary Melrose, Joe P, John Coyle, Jim Brophy and loads of others who continue to make their points on the YouTube channel. If you've not already checked us out over there, then be sure to do so and to subscribe to the channel. It really helps us out. So Paddy, put simply, do you share these concerns about our lack of signing so far this summer or do you trust the club to get the right players in between now and the 1st of September? Um, three weeks ago, I was still quietly confident we would, we would sort a lot of things out. I think now I'm just a bit like we need to start seeing things kind of come into motion now. Uh, I think to, yeah, as I've said, we just need to be ready for, for Europe kicking off. But also injuries are starting to creep up a little bit as well. So we need to be careful of that. Um, I don't want to put the pressure of the first four fixtures onto our younger players at any point. Um, it, it was a difficult start under Ange in his first season when that had to happen. Um, yes, all right, things come good and things were okay, but there is no reason a Celtic team should not be ready for Europe. Are you okay with where we're at right now based on the fact that you think it might be done and dusted over the next few weeks or are you, are you now concerned? Where are you at? I'm okay and I'm going on the basis that they've built up a little credit over the last two seasons and that's it Okay and that's where I am and we'll get to that in a second but I want to hear from you Marty so it's at time of recording 14th of August there's around about 17-18 days till that 1st of September deadline are you like many of the, the comment, commenters are you frustrated with the time it's taken? Yeah really frustrated and I don't know why teams do this uh, not just Celtic but and I know um, things happen for instance this summer we talked about the Saudi League and you don't know if one of your players might just be plucked with a £100 million offer or something, obviously been happy with Celtic, but yeah, I just don't understand just the, why Everton takes so long. It's not as if it's not as if Rodgers was appointed in August or mm -hmm. July and we, we knew Andrew was going before the end of the season and by all, we can all pretty much assume that they acted pretty quickly to get Rodgers in, even if it wasn't announced for a little while. So I don't know what's going on. I can only assume they've been knocked back Aye. a number of times for a number of targets, which I don't know. You can't really tell the fans that. Um, it makes you look desperate. But I don't know. The lack of transparency, sometimes it's, it's led to this. It's led to us questioning their ability to get it done. And I think that's the case. But what we need to be careful of is that 
if we get additional if we don't get additional signings, that's not the fault of the guys who've come in. So we need to get behind them. We yeah. want additional ones, but just because we've not got that doesn't mean we need to pile on these guys. So we do need a lot more, and we need it so quickly. I, I said a week ago that um, anyone who signed uh, a week ago would not be in the, the team for Ibrox, and now it's even more certain that they won't. So it's likely that we're going there with what we've got, and we've still got enough to win, obviously, but it's, it's, you'd like to be a bit more confident. I'm going to take a leaf out the the Ange Postacoglu lessons in life type playbook and he was all about controlling the controllables, right? So I understand the frustration and, and, and I'm frustrated because you just, you want to see, you, you know we need new blood and you want to see these players come in sooner rather than later. But what can you do if a, if an agent's playing hardball or a club's playing hardball or the individual themselves is playing hardball? Players themselves know their value more so than ever, you know, in the modern game and they know that your value and what you get paid nudges up the closer you get to the end of that window and the more desperate teams become. People argue that some teams are, are hardball and Celtic because they know that we are sitting on a bank of cash and it's out there, you know, it's in the, the financial statement. So they know that there's some decent money at Celtic. And I just think, of course, there's players that Celtic want, that Rodgers wants, that Mark Lowell wants and that the team or the recruitment team have identified. But it's one thing knowing who you want, Paddy. It's a different thing altogether just going and, and getting them. I was watching Ange uh, speak at the weekend actually and I'd, I'd like to keep referring back to him because he is dead to all of us kind of. <laughs> but, but he basically said that in, in response to a, a journalist down south he said it's not like just going for the, the messages. You're not just going for a pint of milk or whatever. You just say I'll just take that one and, and pull it off the shelf. It's not how it works and it's yes it's frustrating but it's just the, the world of transfers now that you can't always get what you want. I get that, but I understand that entirely where, where you're coming from. And I think that we can use that as an excuse when we are maybe getting knocked back for one or two players. I think there's a whole load of factors that have come into this this season. I think that I wouldn't be surprised if Rodgers has said, yeah, I'll take the job, but let me review who you're signing. Let me look at who Angie's targets were. Right, they don't fit into what I want to do. I wouldn't be surprised if that's a big factor. And it's taken nothing away for Rodgers. He has his own style of football. He's imp he'll implement different parts of Angie's game, I would imagine, as well, but not entirely, as we've discussed before. The other thing is, is that if you get one or two players that are getting we're getting priced out of because the, the, the clubs know that we've got more money, we just need to we need to push the button. We need to push the button and accept that, yeah, all right, there might be that financial loss, but looking at the long-term financial gain of what we're going to hopefully reap from from next season's Champions League and potentially the season after if we go and have a good run in this season and building up that coefficient say we tiptoed around Europe far too long in the last 10 years and my worry is, is that they're starting to make the same mistake again and that's why I think they, you know there's a famous uh, there's a famous TIFO that says go all in we need to start doing it and I've got a follow up question then do you do you suspect that Celtic are, are low-balling with some other offers? Do you think that's the mentality of Celtic at this moment in time? I wouldn't say it's entirely low-balling. I just think that the market of player that we're in for, considering now we've identified where we needed to work on in Europe last season, and now we've lost someone like Jota, and now we've lost a good player in Carl Starfield, Adam Moya included in it as well as an international player. We need to start shopping in a bigger market. Where we can't take the risk entirely on all the signings to come good. We need players that are going to be able to come into the team and improve it straight away. With that, 
there's four or five different other clubs looking at that player. Yeah. And and that, I, I've said that before, but with the, obviously the announcement of Jota leaving and the money we've made from that, the money that Rodgers has been promised, and albeit, yeah, that that is out in the media, it might not be entirely accurate, but I don't think it'll be far off. Teams will know, but Celtic just need to suck it up and actually say, do you know what? This is what's going to progress us forward. We're going to make money off player sales down the line. Yeah, if you if you buy right, that's yeah. that's never a concern. I do think though there, there's definitely the factor that Paddy says there, Marty, about you're just shopping in a different market, so it might be easier. And Celtic, it's not like we've been shopping in the the bargain basement in the last couple of years. We've picked up guys with a, an element of pedigree, whether it was you know Juranovic, you know Jota, obviously being around a big club like Benfica, Carlovacers at Spurs, guys that had a bit of profile but hadn't quite um, made a name for themselves. I suppose is 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 the best way to put it. Now we're looking for guys who have made a bit of a name for themselves, who are more recognisable to, to us, the regular fans, rather than maybe somebody a bit more obscure. And with that comes serious competition and that can make it a real challenge. I'm going to ask you a, a straightforward question. I'll ask you both, but do you think Peter Lowell has any influence on signings at all? You'll see this time after time online, you know, ah, oh, Lowell's back and, and look what happens. Do you buy any of that at all? Mm, I don't think I do, no. Um, Thank goodness for that I was going to barry off the show Marty I thought you'd fall into that trap <laughs> Nah Nah I don't um, I think it's Do you know what I guess Wee guy behaviour I think that's what's happening If I'm being honest with you Oh Lawwell's back Look what's happening That's just not the case I tell you What does that say For somebody like Michael Nicholson If you were to be overruled By the former CEO I'll just tell you straight That is not happening At Celtic right now There's, there's frustrations Of course there is We'd like to get guys in sooner but it's nothing to do with Peter Lowell. I get, I get the frustrations though. I do get the frustrations, and I, I tend to agree with you guys on this. But it's not out of the ordinary to think that um, Michael Nicholson, a guy that wasn't, you know, it wasn't meant to be his job as CEO. It was Don Mackay, yeah, and he's come in and stepped in and replaced it. Done a great job, taking nothing away from that. Peter Lowell's son is one of our, is our chief scout. Peter Lowell's back as chairman. I get why people could easily think it though. I really, really do. I don't think it is happening personally, but I get why people could put two and two I th together. I think um, I don't think there's any real doubt that he's probably there, and he's influencing influencing things in more of a business side. Um, in terms of recruitment and things like that, I, I don't think that's just. I think that's yeah not happening. That that's what I would be. I think we've we've spoken at different times in the show about what the role is of a non-exec chairman, and he may have influence on things like who we go into partnerships with and sponsorships and different things down that road. I'd be amazed if he's getting, you know, any involvement in the transfer activity. And it, but you're right, Paddy, you know, there's a two and two there, but I think people are adding him up and getting 17, something like that. It's just not, it's way off the mark, I think. And I'm sure him and Mark sit down at Sunday dinner at the Lowell House or wherever they go for their Sunday dinner and chat about things. But Mark Lowell himself will want to prove that He's not just Peter Lowell's son. He is Mark Lowell. He is now the guy that heads up recruitment. And he won't want, you know, any other influence, you know, even if it is, you know, through family. And guys like him and Michael Nicholson have got enough about themselves that I think they're going about the business. Now, as I say, overall, of course, we'd like to see some business done sooner. And hopefully that's the case moving forward. But I don't think there's any outside influence. Do you think Michael Nicholson's going to be like the, the mum role in this when Mark Lowell comes to him like, can we sign this guy? You need to ask your dad. <laughs> <laughs> ask your dad. Go and see your dad. <laughs> uh, we'll see. The last point on this in terms of the transfer activity is that I think it's very pertinent not to forget the last day of the window, Andrew's first window, where we brought in Jackie Marcus, Cameron Carter-Vickers and Jota. 
Without those three guys, I'd go as far to say Celtic wouldn't have won the league that season and everything might have looked very different right now, you know, had that not been the case. So I think it's important to realise that the window's open till the 1st of September for a reason and there's still a lot of really good things that could happen between now and then. But we're in such a different um, position financially and instability towards that. We were kind of, not a shambles, but the the upheaval in the squad with so many ins and outs was just... And like kind of unprecedented in how long we've been watching Celtic over the past twenty years, and there's it's not the same. We're, we've got money, we've got players. Our captain, our best players, signed a new contract. Jota's left, right, fine, but we've got we've got twenty odd million for him. So it's not like oh god, we're oh woes me. Just we're in, we've not took advantage of being in a better position. If we get people in, uh, obviously, if it's the last day. Right, okay, we'll deal with it, but is, is there not an element of desperation in that as well? I don't know, I mean, you shot all over my point, to be honest with you. What I was trying to say <laughs> is that the, the last day of the window, you can still get really key, important players at that stage. Every club, you, you see it across the board, but, and, yep. and maybe more so in the January window as well. You know, sometimes it's that kind of mid-season th- situation where teams are desperate to avoid relegation or have a, a real push at something, but I just think it's the nature of the beast. Sometimes you do need to wait to that very last day because of factors out with your control, Celtic could have 500 million. Doesn't mean everyone's going to play ball and just come running to Celtic Park. And I think sometimes Celtic and other clubs, I suppose, just have to be patient. And I would far rather be signed the right guys on the last day than three or four guys this week. That's right, right. That's all I wanted to say. You, go, you redeemed yourself there. Uh, got got excited it. First there. time I've ever seen that, Martin. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very last question to you guys, just on the transfer stuff, I, I should add. So the question is, do you think we're going to bring in the, the quality we need to compete in Europe? Uh, and if so, what areas? For me, it's left back, as we spoke about, as a winger. You know, Yang's been good, but I think we need somebody else. And it's a striker for me. I think we're very, very light there. So just quickly, who would you lads prioritise? Um, left back, left mid, striker, centre mid. Oh, four. Oh. Any more? Any goalie? Throw him in the mix. Well, well goalie, aye, geez. Oh. Yeah. What about you, Paddy? Uh, goalie. Um, I think I've got a feeling we'll be all right left back. Oh. I think winger. And that contradicts what you said earlier on. Well, I, I, I'm I'm hopeful. I'm very very hopeful for something for Bernabe this season. That's a lot to ask, but I I, I think we, we might be okay there. Definitely domestically, and if if it was to change it up tactically, you guys have sold me on this three three five two thing. Uh, <laughs> but I, I I think Bernabe has something to offer. Um, I really do. I don't think we spend that amount of money on him for like a young age. I think we've taken a risk. Yes, but I still think there must be a bit of scouting in that. I think there is a player there. I, I think Tierney will sign. Do you? Do you? Yeah. I, I'd, I'd be delighted if he did. I can't see it, but I'd be delighted if it, yeah. if it came we, good. We all mentioned, you, you mentioned teams in Spain and stuff like that. Um, obviously playing in La Liga would be living in San Sebastian, amazing. But we, we can, from what we've heard about Tierney, he's very much a home, he's a hometown guy. He's a home, not homeboy. Um, it must be something about a seat. Anyone from Motherwell just starts... No, but he's like, he, he's got all this money. By all accounts, doesn't really go out that much. He's happily in a relationship. Um, he's he's not... You, you've got more info than, than I thought. He's, he's not... He, What's he star sign? I don't know. Um, but he's going out to San Sebastian. Can you see really see him going out to your Michelin star restaurants in San Sebastian? Listen, I think he'd be more than happy to come back here for a year, get his career back in track and then get another move. He's lived in London for a few years. He's maybe got a bit more about him as a as a... 
a guy and a, a cultured guy than you're giving them credit for. So who knows? Listen, I, I'd love for you to be right and, and we'll see what happens. But it's a tall order to bring a guy on that kind of money to Celtic Park. Last one for you, Paddy. Um, you've mentioned it, that you think left back may come good and here's hoping. If you can only get a new goalie or a new winger, who are you taking? A winger. Yeah, more Aye, priority. More priority. To replace Jota's star quality. Correct. Fair enough. So thanks to those who continue to join the conversations on YouTube. If you want to put a question to us, you can do so there. You can tweet us at Celtic Exchange or you can email me directly on tino at theceliticexchange.com. Just a few small pieces of news as we start to close out the show. Ben Summers signed a new deal during the week which keeps him at Celtic for the next few years. It remains to be seen where he'll play this season, whether he might now go out on loan. Uh, one player who has done is the defender Boson Labal, who did sign a new deal and he's now going to go and join Bruni at Fleetwood Town for a time. The other rumour that's gathered a bit of pace today uh, is Ryan Fraser. So he's currently out the picture at Newcastle and the Scotland International has been strongly linked with a move to Celtic Park. So your thoughts on any of those updates, Paddy? Um, well done for Lavo. I think that's a good move for him. I, I'm hopeful that we, we start to see something come from our youth setup. And great news about Ben Summers. A little bit concerned about Rocco Vat has uh, went a bit quiet lately. I don't know what's going on there. He's back um, to the B team. He scored in a 3 1 defeat at the weekend, but he's right. back there, which I'm not sure about. It's a little concerning, um, mm. especially after the, the Torino rumours as well. Um, Ryan Fraser, uh, he done really well for Bournemouth, I thought. Um, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know enough about him, to be honest. Mm. A lot of folk are uninspired, Marty. I think uh, that's the word that's doing the rounds. Is that what you would uh, do? That's a, that's a good way to put it. I think um, if, if he wasn't playing in the Premier League, would we even be having the conversation? It's just mm. like, is Rogers just... Uh, it's, it's a real lack of imagination for, for me. And I just... Uh, he's a bit of a headless, headless chicken. He's, he's just a bit like Maeda. And he's a bit too like Maeda and um, Abada, I would like. I know it's so easy just to say we need another Jota, but we just need a inside forward creator mm -hmm. really badly. Jotas don't grow on trees, unfortunately. It's, yeah. it's hard to get. Um, they do. You've, uh, you've mentioned things like uh, Ryan Fraser, uninspiring. Scott Scott McKenna, absolutely. Uh, Harry Souter last week. But it is, it's, the, it's the time of year, isn't it? These rumours pop up and pop back, back down and there's actually no substance to them at all. You know, it's just... Somebody online or some journal just try to stay relevant and, and linking these names. So we'll need to see if any of these come to fruition. Marty, your final thoughts as we start to wrap up this week's show? Um, I've, I've definitely um, mellowed a, a lot more since yesterday. Um, we haven't even, we have barely even touched on how bad Turnbull was. I know you... <laughs> That's it, finishing a, a negative. No, I, need, I know you said, uh, I'm a big fan, he, did, he didn't quite take his chance. Is that the only criticism we're going to give him? He was I don't, shocking. I don't have time to go into more detail. Uh, no, he wasn't great at all. He'd, having done so well and got his couple of goals the week before, and I know you guys argue how well he done or not against Ross County, I think he done well. Got two goals, got man in the match. What else can you do? But you've got to follow that up, haven't you? You've got to find that consistency. And that's where the real footballers do it. Consistency is key to everything. There's no point in being flashing the pan and having half a dozen good games a season and and that's the chance that David Turnbull will get time to uh, prove himself or not under Rodgers but he's got to step up at places like Petodre. He, he does, he does and I, I think it just answers the the question of is he, is he going to be back in this team, is he going to be starting every week and I think it answered it pretty quickly, uh, getting chopped at half time and basically after a really, really poor 45 minutes it was kind of just back to what we kind of know. 
the experiment's opinion. over. I hope so. Yeah, there's a, a lad, John McElhinney, that we know pretty well, and John made that comment on Twitter after the game, at least now we can bin the, the Turnbull experiment. It's very harsh, isn't it? But he, he's not alone in that thinking. I've got two guys in front of me <laughs> who seem to be of that thinking, but there's a, a bit of work for Turnbull to be done, to be doing, if he's going to prove himself. Paddy, your own final thoughts for the week? Um, I just, I think it'll be a very interesting week. I think uh, the fact that it is a League Cup game coming up this weekend, we should tinker about with the starting 11 a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised if we get some players in and get them into the starting lineup too. Um, the the players need to start coming now. Um, they really do. I think we're, for me, four four decent players away from a, a, a very strong team. Um, and that's a lot of players in this yeah. market. Fingers crossed, but with that luck, Peter Lowell will make some big signings over the next few days. <laughs> so that wraps things up on the latest episode of the Celtic Exchange Weekly. Thanks to Paddy and Marty for joining me today, and as always, our thanks to you for tuning in. Don't forget to visit theCelticExchange.com to start your free trial of the Celtic Exchange Plus if you haven't already done so. And once you have, you can then listen in again on Friday as we bring you the pre-match show for our League Cup fixture against Kilmarnock. But in the meantime, thanks for listening, and we'll be back again with the Celtic Exchange Weekly, this time next week. Mm-hmm.